Welcome to the Bereans Bible Prophecy Podcast. This is Bob McLaurin in Nashville, Tennessee. It is March the 21st. Last time I spoke with you, I said I was going to be studying Gog and the Assyrian and was he or not the Antichrist, things like that. Started to get into that and it's such a deep topic and then uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks here in Nashville. We had a devastating tornado about three weeks ago and uh, left about four or five huge areas of the city and our suburbs devastated. And then everyone else knows the news as of uh, two to three weeks ago. We were all watching the COVID-19 event take place in China, and then a matter of a week and a half ago, it just uh, took over the world in every case. Uh, Most places are being declared on lockdown or shelter in place. Uh, We have been working from home, uh, except for just very rare cases where I might go into the office for for an hour or two and get out Went in today. I was the only one in the building, which it's the way I want it. I don't. I'm not interested in interacting with anyone these days, and for that reason, I want to talk about the COVID-19 virus and what we're all witnessing before our eyes. I've been on each end of the spectrum regarding this. Initially, I thought it was overblown, and then there was panic induced by uh, our awful media and I I blame I I don't like any media I'm conservative hardcore conservative to libertarian and I get tired of even the new the conservative news I don't watch any of the others but I get I get tired in even the conservative Fox News the way they treat news and the truth. It's two minutes at a time. They can't have a conversation with anyone longer than three minutes. They're always on to the next thing, breaking, got to go, got to go, got to get the next guest in so he can talk for two minutes. It's it's just a horrible way to, uh, to converse, and that's all we have. That's it. That uh, Maybe it's different in other parts of the world, but that's what America has become two minutes at a time, and there's no depth to it at all. It's just repetition. With that, I had gone from, this is way overblown. We're talking about a mortality rate of less than 1% when it's handled correctly uh, to now I see that... Uh, just pure despair and you look at Italy just melting down it uh, today they had 6,000 new cases and over 600 deaths and that's preceded by three or four or five days of four and five hundred deaths every day you know and I was one of those early on, like, ah, yeah, but the flu kills so many thousands of people every year and nobody cares. And um, But 
we're faced with something that we've yet to see anybody make progress with, except for this case out of France where where the malaria drug teamed with a ZPAC antibiotic was shown to be 100% successful. And that gave me great hope so much that I thought maybe we'll be out of this in about three weeks if they could push that out ASAP. But I'm greatly discouraged when I see our doctors at the at the highest levels and, you know, pushing back that, well, we we can't be that optimistic and all that with something that's been out for 40 plus years. And I get what they're saying, but we are in dire circumstances when this is a virus that can be passed without any symptoms being present. Because if that's the case, testing is useless. All testing does is confirm that somebody has the disease. It doesn't, it's not going to keep anybody off the street that, that doesn't uh, feel bad and doesn't have any symptoms. One thing that gave me optimism was the Princess cruise ship where there were roughly 3,700 passengers, 700 got this virus and you would have thought that was the perfect condition or worst case condition that every single person on that cruise ship should have gotten that virus. And about 17 to 18% ended up getting the virus. And so you would have thought with the closed ventilation and how poorly things were handled and them being quarantined all together that that just would have been horrific, and yet less than 20% got it. That gave me hope, uh, and and of that, I think there were only about seven or ten deaths out of 3,700 potential patients, and I guess I was reminded by another blog last night that uh, that those patients received the absolute best healthcare in the world and what the rest of the world is racing against is to keep all those cases from hitting the hospitals because at some point when the healthcare workers are, are overrun by the sheer numbers or if the, the essential hospital gear to treat those worst cases end up, you know, overrunning, the numbers just overrun the uh, equipment or the people. And it's, and in some places we're already seeing that certainly Italy, it looks like Spain is heading down that same path. Uh, Iran is probably already in that situation. And we have a case where China is basically said, oh, we've got no new cases. And we all know that's got to be a lie because if you can't if you can't determine who has it until after they've got it, then nobody's going to be able to stop this unless this malaria drug is already being used in China. Nobody else is claiming to be using this 
combination that seemed to have worked in France. So uh, there's cause for great hope and there's also great despair. I mean, just think of this. Today, Italy lost, you know, and again, these are all, everybody counts, but generally 99%, 99 99.9% of the deaths are elderly and those with other conditions that have weakened them and put them in this, in that situation. Well, think about this. Today, Italy lost 17 doctors, 17 doctors, and I believe, uh, I cannot remember how many, I believe they now have over 3,500 healthcare workers having tested positive. 3,500, you know, so even if you get this and you don't get, and, and it doesn't, you're not in the 1% or the 20% that requires hospitalization, if you've got symptoms, you're still out of the game for a little while. And in best case, six days with this uh, hydrochloroquine, I believe is the hydrochloroquine and the Z-Pack, if you've got that. Now, it sounds like it's in plentiful supply and it's over the counter should be easy to to pass out but we know in the best of circumstances when governments or any institution churches governments uh corporations things never go smoothly uh, or never run efficiently at at 100% there's always this this coefficient of friction based on the institution for whatever reason that just slows things down. Now, maybe we see a change in how business is done. Maybe we see red tape reduced. And that's my hope that uh, I appreciated Adam Carolla's comments. He's a comedian in Hollywood. And I appreciated his comments that out of all change, even negative change, there is a good comes out of it. In other words, the change is for the better. Even when the change is horrific or negative, the change is for the better. We've experienced that in our own Christian walk. You know, the worst thing, or I guess the thing I rant the most at, it's not the world, it's at Christians and Christianity in general that just doesn't, doesn't number one, they don't believe God. Uh, they believe their traditions and dogmas over pure scripture. They've always got an excuse for why that scripture doesn't mean what it plainly says about how much God has done for humanity. Essentially, it's always... Every excuse that Christianity has is to reinforce their own self-righteousness. I made a decision for Christ, and you didn't. Therefore, you, you are going to go to hell. Even though there's ample scripture to support that we are born from above, and nobody 
nobody chooses to be born and nobody bears their own birth. I mean, we just become aware like we all did as kids, you know, you grow up and you become aware. And now again, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the essential, the essential need to believe, but let me tell you, there are plenty of Christians who don't believe the same truths that the world doesn't believe. I'm getting off track here. I want to, I got to get back, but that's part of my frustration is when even in my extended family, I hear things like God is judging America or he's judging the world. I want to ask a, a question. If this is God's judgment, and let me tell you, I do believe God is going to judge at some point. But if this is God's judgment, if every hurricane and tornado that went through Nashville three weeks ago and, you know, every natural disaster, every catastrophe around the world, if that's his judgment right now, then if we are able to stand up against it and remedy it if if we come up with if mankind comes up with a solution that stops this virus dead in its tracks does that mean that was god's judgment what man dares to say that they could stop the judgment of god i mean that's just foolishness so how do you answer that when, you know, God's judging, this is God judging the world for its sinfulness. He's judging America for its sinfulness. And I've talked about abortion in earlier episodes. America's been on the decline much greater than anyone else in the world regarding abortions. So are we being judged for that? What other sin have, have these people got to blame America for? that uh, we are due his judgment. You know, every there's so many guys on YouTube that say America is Babylon and all this. They ignore all the scripture that explicitly states that mystery Babylon is where Christ was crucified. Again, it's going to be a multinational uh confederation but the the hq is jerusalem it isn't what we see today but three weeks ago we didn't see this virus so you know i'm going to rant a little bit here when people get on youtube and they've got their charts and again i'm i'm i read them all i'm not against I'm not against speculation as long as it's called out, but these people, you know, it's like Erdogan's the Antichrist, Trump's the Antichrist, or, you know, whoever is, you know, Putin. These things change overnight. And we were, we had the strongest economy in 50 years here in the United States. And it was, it was floating other economies around the world and then whatever these clowns were in China were doing in December unleashed, I'll give them, I'll give them as much, accidentally unleashed 
something over there. And I still believe it's man-made. I don't believe this was bat soup, though that's as foul as can be. But I believe it was somebody playing with something they shouldn't have. They got infected, didn't know it because there's no symptoms, and tracked it out into the wild. And now, you know, everybody's got it because it's so contagious. Or everybody, every country is being impacted because it's so contagious and you can't spot it. You know, the flu, you see somebody sniffling, you walk the other way. Well, here, there's no way of knowing. And, you know, people are clamoring for tests, tests, tests. Well, if they can still be negative and potentially a carrier, if that's possible, maybe that isn't possible, but it sure seems like there uh that that is the case uh the testing is really only for backward you know statistical analysis but uh back to the judgment sorry for that long rant but you know if this is god's judgment we wouldn't be able to stop it and uh again well, I'll just close that thought with, I absolutely believe God is going to judge this world. But when it comes to town, we're going to know it. Or I'll, I should say, the world will know it. I don't believe, I don't believe there's ample scripture to support that uh, we're not we're not uh, appointed to his wrath. I, 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 I'm the guy, now hear me, I'm the guy on the soapbox saying that isn't a prophetic verse because I don't believe it is prophetic in the context. I believe it is just Paul stating, if you're in Christ, you're not destined any wrath. Anyone in Christ is not appointed to wrath. He says that in Romans. He's not even talking about prophecy at that point. So now you could apply it that, but that's what the whole pre-trib and everybody, that's everything. I mean, pre-tribbers, that's what they base everything on is we're not appointed under wrath. And therefore they say, well, we're not going to be around for the 70th week. So I'm just, I just say, you know, because I'm in the pre-wrath camp and because I've read the context and Paul says it word for word in Romans and in Second Thessalonians about not being appointed to wrath, I just I don't think he was talking about prophecy in that case. It's the same result, whatever. But uh, I don't like that verse being used inappropriately. So when judgment comes, we'll know it. And let me tell you, nothing will stop it. Nothing. So uh, now what is... If it's not God's judgment, what is it? I I certainly think it's a birth pang. Uh, I think, uh, you know, for the last year or two, I have openly talked to you folks and said, uh, I think we're seeing a foretaste, but maybe these aren't the actual birth pangs. Let me tell you, if this isn't a birth pang, then look out look out because 
Uh, one reason I, I would not literally think it's a birth pang is because I was really expecting a sequential order of false Christ and then uh, wars, famines, plagues, pestilence, and you know, and death following on its heels. Uh, but due to the timing of these things, I, I don't know that I don't know that the timing is absolutely critical, although it does look like based on the seals in Romans 6 that that timing uh, would be expected. The seals 1, 2, 3, 4 would be open in that order. Um, only the first seal doesn't say seal one was opened. It just says a seal was opened. So, uh, and a white horse came forth on and on. So, uh, you know, I subscribe to that sequence being as plainly as it's stated. So back to, is it a birth pang or not? Man, let me tell you this. One of the things I've wondered about birth pangs and the 70th week in general is would it actually be concentrated in the Middle East and then the rest of the world would just see a shadow of it and the closer you are to ground zero the worst worst that that uh, persecution would be or the impact of things and again, I'm talking everything prior to the sixth seal. And then when God's wrath comes, it's certainly worldwide. But um, the snare that is drawing the world in, I just, I wondered if what we would see would be um, Middle East centric. And I think we've seen the answer to that, and that with this virus. And that is that I mean, just think about it. Um, a month or two ago, early February, we started hearing about this in China. And then in a matter of five weeks, six weeks, it is in every tip of the country. I mean, it's it's in countries I didn't know existed. And here in Tennessee, we've got it in 17 counties and I'm talking places, I mean, how in the world the exposure got to this extent is, is unreal. And look how it, it has shut everyone down. Their number one focus around the world is how to deal with this and uh, flatten the curve is the phrase we keep hearing. How do you... Not only how do you uh, stop it, but at least how do you slow it down so that we have time to stop it and work on behalf of, if anything, it's united. It's it's done two things. It's it's completely blown globalism out of the out of the water, at least in the short term. But one thing, one great positive is seeing the unity across the world, and these are our brethren whether they're believers or not, but seeing our brethren that we can't even understand their language and you see them crying 
over some other person, a foreigner from another country. I saw a conversation of somebody retelling they had come off the Princess cruise and they were English, uh, UK English, and uh, they were in a Japanese hospital and they, they were talking about how the nurses were crying because they were so close to death and the positives of seeing people reaching out on behalf of Italy, even though they really can't do anything, they're with them in spirit and all that. As we see this country of 60 million just burning down, now they have more death than uh, a country with 1.5 billion in China, and uh, it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon with 6,000 new cases today, 17 doctors dying today, 17 doctors. It's incredible. 3,500 health workers infected. Incredible. Let me tell you, that this virus has shut the world down and it is our number one focus. Our economies are spending any amount it takes to shut this thing down just so that we can take a breath and then come back and try and resolve what our economy, whatever state we're left in after this. And, and all of this where the death rate is really only about 1%. That's what doesn't make sense in the news. And we've still got people out there saying, this is way overblown. The panic is no big deal. Blah, blah, blah. It's fake and all that. But the, the problem is it is flooding the hospitals with people that if they don't get the care, the death rate goes even higher. So, and that's what, that's what we're seeing in Iran, Italy, and Spain looks like they're heading down that same path. UK, people are talking about UK needs to shut things down immediately. Uh, the numbers don't look that bad yet, but they're certainly tracking like the other countries that are in terrible shape right now. Um, New York City looks like it is going to be completely overwhelmed if this malaria drug doesn't get distributed ASAP. If it gets held up in red tape or they just can't get it out fast enough or whatever the case, uh, again, no corporation, no church, no government operates with efficiency. And let's just pray that uh, God shows his miraculous hand around the world and stops this thing dead in our tracks, dead in its tracks. Uh, so, no, I don't think it's God's judgment. I, I do think this is a uh, birth pang. And, because, and one of the reasons why is the birth pangs one of their results, I was going to use the word purpose, but I don't, I don't like that. I'm going to say the result of a birth pang is it draws the net around the world in closer and closer 
and the world isn't even aware of it. And I would say, even with the chaos of the last two weeks, the fear that's rising and the, you know, pockets of oblivion, but they're, they're starting to wake up. You know, everyone's attention is drawn to how do we stop this or how do we keep it out of our area? Nobody's looking at what it's, how it's drawing us in into a place where uh, your, your decisions are limited and that's our own our own lives model that where our circumstances put us in a place where you think you've got a free will choice, but you don't because where you did have 10 choices, now you've got three and they're not very good because of a prior circumstance or decision. So, you know, and that can be self-inflicted. It can be inflicted by... Uh, no fault of our own, our family, our friends, uh, you lose a job, uh, whatever the case. And certainly God is in the middle of it all and intervening. And if anything, he's trying, you know, people, Christianity always, you know, well, it's so he can teach us a lesson. Well, he can, we can certainly learn lessons in good and bad, and we and we learn more by failure. They try to tie it. It seems like my perception of their their uh, answers to all this. It they always try to tie it to sin, and what I mean by is it personal sin. It's certainly it's certainly tied to sin because we live in a fallen world, but. Even that is by God's own design. You know, and how do I know that? How can I say that? Because that's the way it is. If, if you think Adam and Eve fell and God wasn't going to allow it to happen or, you know, for to accomplish his purpose, you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand the overall absolute plan of Christ. Christ was always the plan for humanity. Christ was not the answer to a problem in the garden. Life in Christ was always set in stone prior to creation. So how could the fall of Adam ever be a surprise or a disappointment to God? or something out of left field, or something that God didn't require. Evidently, he required Adam and Eve's fall in order to accomplish something in us because it happened. Now, that now for anybody out there who's going to guard their free will and all that stuff, I'm not saying you shouldn't make wise choices, but in the absolute... Everything is accomplished, well accomplished, according to God's plan. Everything is right on track, and this world looks like it is a big mess. And uh, we know it's only going to get worse. But, but let me tell you one of the truths I stand on. God always sets the table. He always, 
He always stacks the deck against himself in order that he might convince all that he is in complete control. So it is dark. Man, it's dark in Italy, and it's going to get even darker. Now, let me tell you, it's dark just due to pestilence right now, but wait till evil factors in and lawlessness factors in and hopelessness factors in. You talk about a darkness you could cut with a knife. We're not there yet. We're going to get, we're, we're going to see it. Hopefully we will see this virus stopped and great healing and many are made aware of God's great presence and beauty and kindness and goodness. But we know ultimately where this leads to, and that will be even greater darkness to a point where there will be no hope, no faith left. And even even most of us would possibly doubt that uh, God is in control. But let me tell you, he does this with a purpose. It's his pattern. He he does nothing with a multitude. He always does things with with a remnant, a first fruit. That's who you are. You're the first fruit. So don't be despondent. If you are, hopefully you aren't, but don't be despondent that things are unraveling and that there's chaos. And let me tell you, it's it's depressing out there. I grieve for Italy when I saw the stats about 30 minutes ago, 627 deaths in one day. And that was hours ago, so it's no doubt higher. 17 doctors, 3,500 healthcare workers. It's hard to watch that. And yet, uh, we are the light. We have the truth. We don't have to judge anybody. All we have to do is be a proper ambassador of Christ and what he has done and what he has accomplished is he's not he is he has reconciled the world and he is not holding anyone's sins against them it's not conditional he's not holding anyone's sins against them yes he will judge he will judge the world but their reconciliation is not conditional on their poor behavior. I think somebody's tried to contact me via phone. Uh, reach me via email, robert at mclaren.com. It, it's been on all the podcast notes. Reach me via email and then we can talk Skype. That way I can talk to anybody in the world for a couple of pennies a minute. Uh, love to hear from you guys. Look up. Don't Fear, it's hard not to fear or be fearful. Uh, it's okay to grieve. In fact, we ought to be grieving for those countries around the world that are in worse shape than we are. Uh, pray for Italy. Pray for China. Pray for Iran. Pray for Spain and the UK. These countries look like they're heading into that same steep curve uh, pray for the U.S. that we might have the resources not only to help ourselves but to help others. I will, uh, you know, we'll get back on track at some point. 
Love you. Hang in there. God bless you. See you.